You guys ready to get in the Word? All right, I just want to share something, and this is, uh, I've just been carrying this on my heart as we've just gone down, go through different churches, and, and I'm finding just, when I'm listening to the Lord, there's a theme that I felt, I, I was watching, not just in our churches, but just in the church, um, and it's the whole subject, <laughs> this doesn't sound too exciting, but it's the subject of darkness. Everybody say darkness. Now, this message is going to get better, okay, so just stay with me. But I think sometimes when we, as we're going through life, we encounter different levels of darkness. If you can turn to Isaiah 60, let's go there together. I'll show you what I mean. Isaiah chapter 60. Okay, everybody stay with me because this is going to be a fun message. But if you've ever experienced a, a time of darkness in your life, you could, some people call it oppression, some people call it depression. Um, but whatever it is, it's something that I believe hits us all in some time in various different ways. <coughs> and I want to talk about it because I think it's something that we can, that the Bible gives us keys to how to break through them. Amen? Amen. Isaiah chapter 60. Arise and shine for your light has come. Isn't that great to know that it's already come? Yeah. We're not waiting for the light of the Lord to come. The, the Lord has already risen upon you. For the Lord... For the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Watch this. See, darkness covers the earth and thick darkness over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Isn't that wonderful to know? That kings are going to come to the brightness of the church. Nations will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your dawn. But watch this. This is the part we often don't talk about, and it's this. See, darkness covers the earth, <coughs> excuse me, and, and thick darkness over the people. You know there's different levels of darkness? Darkness over the people and thick darkness over the earth. There's different levels of darkness that we can find ourselves in, different levels that we can fall into, different levels that we can experience in life. Levels of darkness. Isaiah 61, stay with me. It's going to get better. Everybody smile. I've read the end of the book. We win. It's good. It ends really well. <laughs> See, sometimes we go through the valley of the shadow of death. Everyone say through. There's the key. We go through. Even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he is with me. The key is we go through. So if you're going through hell, keep going. Don't stop. Don't set up a tent. Don't live there. Don't camp there. Keep on going. Amen. Isaiah 61. For the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, and to release from darkness. Everyone say darkness. To release from darkness the prisoners. God, the Spirit of the Lord, has anointed us to release from darkness the prisoners, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair, for they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, for the display of his splendor. Watch this church. This was Isaiah prophesying about the Messiah. In John chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, Jesus stands up and he says, Today, this is fulfilled 
in your hearing. He reads this very passage and he says, it's me. Who Isaiah was talking about, he was talking about me. And he begins to read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. And guess what, church? He's the head and we're his body. Therefore, we can read this scripture and apply it to us. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me. Say that with me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me. Each and every one of us here in this room is anointed. We have been anointed and we have been appointed for a specific task. And there are times in life where we go through different seasons. I was sitting with Andy this morning in, in our back garden. I said, it looks much nicer in the summertime. Everything just looks barren in the winter. Everything's dirty. All the leaves have fallen and it's been covered up by snow multiple times and then melted and everything's brown and slushy and gray and it just looks barren. But you know what? Springtime is coming. There's a season for everything, of every, every activity under heaven. And right now we're in a season of winter where things are dead visually, but under the ground. The ground has been resting, getting ready for the next season. Paul says to Timothy in his last letter, be ready in season and out. Everyone say, and out. You know, there's, se- there's seasons, when we're, there's times when we're out of season. But Paul says, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready whether you're in season and out of season. There's a reason for every season. <laughs> Shall I keep going? Okay. John said yes. I turn to um, Psalm 142. Psalm 142. This fascinates me, this psalm. And again, it's, like, it's something that we don't often like to talk about. And obviously, we, I'm about to read um, a psalm of David. And this is a psalm that I believe is, it, that captures one of, Paul, one of um, David's lowest hours, one of his darkest hours. David is in a cave called Adullam. He's in there with 400 men. And he's in a season in his life where 15 years before he had been anointed king. He's a king and he's hiding in a cave. He's running from Saul. He's running away from the person he thought God had joined him with. And here he is in a cave with 400 disgruntled men. And the Holy Spirit records this prayer for us today. Isn't that amazing? That all, those t- all that time again, the Holy Spirit records a prayer of a king that was going through a season of darkness. Let's read it together. Isaiah, sorry, uh, what did I say? Psalm. I'm still a little jet-lagged. Psalm 142. Let me find it. Psalm 142. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out my complaint before Him. Before Him I tell Him my trouble. When my spirit grows faint within me, it is You who I know my way. In the path where I shall walk, For men have hidden a snare for me, and I look to my right and see no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge, and no one cares for my life. If I'm not, this is a rhetorical question, but how many times have you gone through life, if you were really honest, you could say, that's how you actually felt. No one cares for me. No one cares for my life. Who is my refuge? Where can I go? This is a pretty dark place for a king. This is a pretty dark place for 
a man that's accomplished already so many things, but he's in a place of darkness and he's in a place where that's actually honestly how he feels. But I love it. If you watch the poetry here of this prayer, he's going in and out. It's not one minute. He's like, but you, I trust you, God. And then, but no one cares for me. It's like, you just said, I trust you, Lord. But now, okay, watch. Hmm. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. Listen to my cry, for I am in desperate need. Rescue me from those who pursue me, for they are too strong for me. Set me free from my prison, that I may praise you. You ever done that? Lord, if you just set me free, then I'll praise you. Lord, if you just answer this prayer, then I'll do this for you. Then the righteous will gather around me because of your goodness to me. (laughs) Changes again. You're so good to me though, God. (laughs) Oh Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and in your righteousness come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment for no one living is righteous before you. Listen to this, verse 3. For the enemy pursues me and he crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness. Everyone say darkness. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me and my heart within me is dismayed. For I remember the days long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. I spread out my hands to you for my soul thirsts for you like in a parched land. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me or I will be like those who go down into the pit. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love for I have put my trust in you. Show me the way that I should go for you. I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you teach me to do your will for you are my god and may your good spirit lead me on level grounds for you O look for, for your namesake O lord preserve my life in your righteousness bring me out of trouble in your unfailing love silence my enemies destroy all my foes for i am your servant what an interesting prayer of course the great thing is church that that is an old And that was the Old Testament. We now live in the New Testament under a better covenant. Hallelujah. We live under a new and a better covenant. But there's something that we can learn by this man who's recording in this prayer something that we can capture for our own lives. See, he had been driven away from his family. He'd been driven away from his place of worship. He'd been driven away from his inheritance. And sometimes our inheritance feels like it's been taken away from us. Our inheritance under the new covenant is to have joy. Our inheritance, what is rightfully ours, is to have peace. But we can go through times where we don't have that. Amen? And we can feel like we are in a place of darkness. I'm sure David is sitting there thinking 15 years ago, Samuel came and he anointed me. I was out looking out after sheep and he poured a a horn of oil over me and he said, this is the one. If that's true, why am I here now? Why am I in a place of darkness? This wasn't my plan. Why am I hiding in a cave? Why does the enemy pursue me to the ground? Ever felt like that? I don't know what's going on. I don't know why I am in this season. You know, it's times like this that the enemy wants to tell us that we're backsliding. 
It's times like this that the enemy wants to sow in lies into our thoughts, into our field, to make us think that there's something wrong with us. Church, can I suggest we're going through a season? And I want to teach this morning from the Word of God how we can go through the season, but also understand the season of darkness. Because when I saw, began to see keys as to why we go through darkness, I nearly ate my chair. So this is going to get better, okay? So you can all smile. Amen? You all with me today? You want me to keep going? Okay, because if you say amen, then I know you got it. And then we'll keep going faster. I think America's got quieter. I don't know what's going on. Maybe we're all in a season of darkness. You're in the right place. Okay, so here we are. Areas, so he's in this place. Okay. The enemy pursues my soul. My mind and my emotions are under constant attack. It's robbing me of my sleep at night and my concentration by day. Things are falling apart and I can't seem to keep them together. That's my, my own paraphrased version of what we've just, I've just read. When you're at the place of despair where you don't know what is going on and that's when you think you are backsliding. But the key is that we need to keep going through. You know, I believe God is more interested in developing us than delivering us. I'm going to talk about that this morning. Because God is interested in fashioning things in us and working things out of us. He's more interested in what we're becoming than what we are accomplishing. Paul says, I make it my goal to see every man complete in Christ. To see Christ fully formed in you. You know, when some, you know, Gethsemane actually means the place of the crushed. It's when we get crushed, when we get broken, that the oil flows. It's when we have nothing that we find out do we, we do what we really have. When you have nothing, that's when you find out if you have something. What's really inside of here? here? You know, the mountain introduces us to ourselves. <laughs> he makes me, verse... Verse 3, dwell in darkness. I'm being pursued. I'm being crushed. Darkness. Darkness. Can you turn to Matthew 27? I'm going to just keep going because you've gone very quiet again. So I'm going to go a little bit deeper. Everybody okay? Okay. I'm just going to preach myself happy here. Everything's great. Matthew 27. Matthew 27. Uh, verse 45, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness, everyone say darkness, covered the whole land. Everyone say whole land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbathani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is on the cross, and for three hours, there is darkness covering the whole land. Do you think it's possible that Jesus has something to say to us about going through darkness? That, is it possible that Jesus, having hung on the cross, and the darkness didn't just cover a little bit area of life, it covered the whole land. See, when darkness covers, when you're in a place of darkness, it covers everything. It covers your friendships. It covers your family. It covers your job, your finances, your emotions, your laughter. Every area of life, it will affect even your golf. Any golfers in the room? 
one. Church, I'm, let's, let's just really be real about this. Darkness, seasons of darkness are real. David went through one. Jesus is in one right now. Darkness covered the whole land. I got three points really quick. Number one, darkness covers the whole land. Number one, darkness will cover every area of your life. When you're going through a season of darkness, it just it affects everything. But the great thing is, it's, it's temporary. Psalm 34, 19 says, A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him out of some of them eventually. Oh, you are awake. Out of all of them. Out of them all. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Isn't that wonderful? The darkness may cover the whole land, but it's only temporary. There may be pain in the night, which is dark, but joy comes in the morning. Amen? All right. Number two. Darkness will make you shout louder. Darkness will make you shout louder. Jesus cried out, Why? Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, heaven may be silent, but heaven is not deaf. And when you go through seasons of darkness and you cry out to the Lord, church, I want you to know heaven may be silent, but heaven is not deaf. Your, your prayers are heard. <laughs> Amen. Okay, you ready to get this? going to get really good. You ready? Hebrews chapter 5. I'm nearly done. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. During the days, verse 7, during the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Isn't that great? And he was heard. Jesus prayed prayers and petitions with a loud voice. You know it's okay to be loud. Come on. <laughs> I believe a time will come where people will know where the Christians are because they're so loud. And they're so free. Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us. Because he's anointed us to set captives free. Therefore we need to be free. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. Therefore, don't be burdened again with a loke of slavery. I think this is great. Okay. So, heaven may be silent, but it's not death. Number three, the darkness will cause you to ask why. You know, it is okay to ask why. If Jesus was allowed to ask why, then you can ask why. But church, I want you to know, heaven may be silent, but heaven is not deaf. But just because you're heard doesn't mean you're necessarily going to get the response that you want in the time that you want. And here's why. Because God is interested in developing us, not just deliver delivering us. He orders 
not only our starts, but he also orders our stops. We just celebrated our 20-year anniversary. And marriage really does get better and better every year. (laughs) And at 15 years, I, I... went through all of our photographs and I got every single photo that we'd ever, I think we'd ever taken. That was, and that was right back, it was a long time ago. So we had the old negative pictures, you remember that? And I collected them all together and I, I got a friend of mine put them all together and put them in, a, in order as best as he could. I mean, it was like hundreds and hundreds of photos. And I went into a place to, to, um, to, to get them developed. And uh, they said, uh, I took in the, pic, the actual print and they said, well, I'm sorry, we, can do, we can't blow a print up because it will lose its quality unless you have the negative. I said, I don't, I don't know if I have the negative. They said, well, you need a negative. And then she said this. She said, sir, you need a negative to create a good positive. You need a negative to create a good picture. The best picture that we can, we can, we can deliver for you is one that comes from, the, from a good negative. And I went away and I, start, I was thinking about this. And you know, it's, it's like if those old pictures, they take those negatives and they put them in a tray with chemicals and they put them into a dark room. Everyone say dark room. And they leave it there for it to be developed. But you know, in life, so often when we're in the dark room and we can't see what's going on, that's the time that we want to be taken out. That's the time that if we open the door, the light will come in and ruin the picture. But church, I want to tell you that the picture has already been taken. The end of your life has already been taken. God already knows what your life is going to look like. And if we'll trust him to go through the process of developing. See, God is, remember, God is more interested in, de- in developing us than delivering us. And so often we say, God, take me out. And he says, no, I'm leaving you in because I'm fashioning something in you. I'm forming something in you because a beautiful picture is being developed. Therefore, stay in. Amen. Amen. Church, if you're going through a dark time, could it be that God is wanting to develop something in you? You know, I, I, I often wonder if it's that Jesus faced his darkness with confusion so that we could face ours with understanding. I'll, I'll read, read, let's read on in Hebrews chapter 5. And this is the part where I was just like, okay, God, I think I get it. And if you're starting to get it this morning, then stay with me because this is awesome. Hebrews chapter 5, let's read on together. In those days of Jesus' life, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death, and he was heard. Because of his reverent submission, although he was a son, he learned obedience, and watch this, from what he suffered, and once and once and once made perfect, he became a source of life. Watch this. And once made perfect, he became a source of life. And once became perfect, he became the source of life. Church, when we're going through darkness, God is perfecting something in us. Why? So that we can become a source of life to other people. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He's anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, to release from darkness those who are prisoners. Why? And He concludes, for the display of His splendor. Church, we're here for the display of His splendor. That's why we're here on earth, to display what God is like. 
That's why it's so good that we know what God is like. Because who God is to me is who God will be through me. If you believe God is an angry God in a bad mood who's just trying to kill me all the time, that's the God that you'll represent. That's the God that you'll represent. But we, if, we'll, if we'll live in light of a father that loves us, you know, uh, whatever you feel about this movie, I found it incredibly moving. But we went and saw The Shack this week. Um, I would encourage you to go and see it. Don't just look at it from a theological p- point of view. It's, it's a movie, okay? It just, it's, uh, it's man's way of, of depicting what, uh, what God could be like. But I tell you what, it just left me and all my family thinking, God, we just love you even more. Yes. Not because the movie was necessarily accurate, it just to the, to the scriptures, but because it just provoked of, ah, an aspect of the kindness and goodness and glory of God. To heal pain. I mean, it, 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 was a, it was a story, if you don't know, of probably the most heinous crime that could possibly happen to a human being. Yeah. Right. And then it portrayed a God that never actually gave the answer as to why it happened. Right. But turned a family back on to a God that is so good until anger went away. Pain went away. You know, anger comes from pain. But as that God began to touch the pain in this man's life, the anger went away and released and forgiveness came, and freedom came, and then he was able to help other people get free. Come on, so good. See, it's for the display of his splendor. That's why we're here. You will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, for the display of his splendor. You know, an oak tree is an acorn that held its ground. And if we can get this in life, like, yeah, I'm going through a really rough time. Yeah, it's really dark. I can't actually see what's going on. That's where David was on top of everything else. It's pitch black. (laughs) That's not a good day. And some of you have been there. Some of you have been there for months. Some of you have been there for years. Don't beat yourself up for going through it. But thank God you went through it or you're going through it. But the key is keep going. Keep going. Amen. Listen, let me just give you three examples of people in Scripture. uh, Moses, 40 years 40 years, he'd run away from Egypt. and He's in the desert, working for his father-in-law, looking after sheep. He's wanted for first-degree murder in Egypt. God shows up in a burning bush and says, Moses, Moses, I want you to go back and tell Pharaoh to let my people go so they can worship me in the desert. What? You want me to go back to the place I'm wanted for murder? Yes. 40 years, he's wandering around looking after sheep. And one day, God shows up and says, Moses, I never forgot your name. And I want to use you to go back to the very place that you did wrong. And I'm going to use you. You're my chosen instrument. As you know, the story goes on. He had a PhD in excuses. I can't do this. I can't do that. But he went in the end with Aaron. (laughs) But I wonder there must have been a moment when he stood up. Maybe it was when he stretched out his rod. And two and a half million people are going through from captivity into freedom into Canaan. I wonder what that moment must be like where he says, now I get it. Now I understand. It was because you wanted me to become a source of life to 2.5 million people. Now I get it. See, church, it's when we're going through things, we've got to recognize maybe God is developing something in me. Even though my prayer is God deliver me. He says, I'm leaving you in because I want to show you something and train you and reveal something about my very nature so that you can be the display of my glory for the display of my splendor. Amen? Amen. The other person is this, is, is uh, Abraham. 
Abraham, God promised Abraham, you'll be the father of many nations and your descendants will be as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And for 14 years, he waits for this promise. And in the end, he says, you know, I'm not waiting anymore. And you know the story, he had a son called Ishmael. You know, because he opened the door of the dark room early, because he couldn't wait any longer for the development stage to process to go through, he had a son called Ishmael. And today, all this time later, we still have problems on the earth today because he couldn't wait for the development process to finish. But we know the rest of the story. God gave him a son called Isaac. Abraham means faith. Isaac means laughter. When we do it God's way, faith will always give birth to laughter. When we truly fixed our eyes on him, it will always give, give birth to laughter. And finally, is one of my favorite people in the Bible is Joseph. A young boy who had a dream who told his brothers, one day you're all going to bow down to me. I've had this dream. They were not quite as impressed as he was by his dream. And they hauled him out and they threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery. Put blood on his multicolored coat, went back to the dad and said, an animal killed him, sorry. But David, Joseph went from a pit into a palace and from a palace into a prison. And for seven years, he was in a prison. And during that seven years, everyone say seven years. Seven years. That's a long time. But he came out with a 14-year plan of how to lead God's people and feed them. And one day, when he's feeding people and the nations are coming to him, he sees his brothers. And they don't know it's him. And as he stands there giving out the grain, they begin to kneel down. He begins to cry. And he realizes this is the fulfillment of the dream. The Bible says he wept so loud that everybody in the palace heard about it. And in the end, he couldn't contain himself. And he said to his brothers, it's me. I am your brother, Joseph, the one you tried to kill, the one you thought was dead. And then he says this, but it wasn't you. It was the Lord who sent me ahead of you. At that moment, he realized what I've been through, I went through to become a source of life. I went through a palace. I went through a, a prison. I went through a pit so that I could be a source of life. And church, I want you to know that as we go through different seasons, Dark seasons, bright seasons, seasons of laughter, seasons of joy. You may just be in the best season of your life. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. This just sounds really depressing. Everything's great for me. Awesome. <laughs> but, there are, but, there, but maybe you'll never go through a season like that, and that's fantastic. But all I want to say is, if you've been through it, you can go through it and become a source of life. See, I believe God is looking for life givers, not life sappers. And that we can give life away. And what happens is we then offer that as a gift to somebody else. And say, hey, listen, I've gone through what you're going through. I've been through that pain. I understand it. And here, I want to be a source of life to you. Amen? Amen. Can we all stand together?
Oh, thank you, Lord. Just put your hands out, will you? Worship team, can you come? I just want to give one key. This is a fun key that I think will help us uh, leave here today with a key that, will, that is so practical. And it's found in Acts chapter 16. And I've, I've talked about this here before. This is, for many of you, this won't be new. But it, it's such a powerful key. And it's the power of praise. Everyone say praise. praise. You know, praise actually is thanksgiving. See, we praise God for what he's done, but we worship God for who he is. We worship God because he's God. It's like Job's first test. It says he fell on the ground and he worshipped God. Worship is extravagant respect and devotion that is unrestrained by reason. God said that you incited him against me without any reason. See, we worship God just because he's God, but we praise him for what he's done. Praise his thanks. And there's a little passage, and I'll read it to you. It's in Acts chapter 16. Then I'm going to pray, and if people want ministry, we're going to pray for you today. And, but this is a great way out. Everyone say out. If you're, in, if you're in a place of darkness and you want out today, I want to, there are times where God is developing something in you, but there are other times that you can get yourself out, and this is the key to getting out. And the crowds joined the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered that them be, they be stripped and beaten. And after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in an inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Imagine this for a moment. You've, you're preaching the gospel, you and your brother. And you've gone into a town and you've been severely beaten. And the magistrates have taken you. And all you wanted to do is preach good news about the Lord Jesus. And they bring you before the magistrates and you're beaten severely. You are hurting. And then they push you into a cell. Not just a prison, but an inner cell. Psychologists would say a depression or a place of, of perpetual darkness is like being in an inner cell. You can't see any light. You're so far in, you can't get out. You don't even know where the door is. It's that dark. So here's Paul and Silas serving the Lord, and they're in an inner cell. But about midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to them. Isn't that amazing? You know, when we start to thank God and we live in an attitude of gratitude, it is contagious to people around us. Remember, the Spirit of the Lord is upon us because He's anointed us to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to release from darkness the prisoners. He's anointed us to set other people free. So Paul and Silas, though they were severely beaten, in pain, and now they're chained hand and foot, and they're in an inner cell in a place of darkness, they still knew the power of praise. And as they began to praise, as they began to thank, suddenly, verse 26, there was such an earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. You know, when we praise God, the foundations of darkness get shaken. <laughs> See, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities of darkness. And the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We don't fight as the world does. We fight, it's a spiritual battle. And when there's a, there's a, there is a key to praise and worship. And at once, what's this? At once, all the prison doors flew open, open and everybody's chains came loose. 
I just love that on so many levels. But see, when we get free through praise and worship, it not only sets us free, but it sets everyone around us free. And that's why we're here on this planet. We're here on this planet, on planet Earth, to be, to have been so encounter the love of God and give that love away. To so encounter the freedom of God and give it away. So I want us just to practice this this morning and I'm going to ask the musicians to play. And as they play and just lift up praise in this room as we go out here, I want to encourage you to lift up your voice. Literally lift up your voice. Somebody needs to blow out the cobwebs of your own praise and worship. <laughs> and activate it because what will happen is chain doors. I mean, I, I preach myself happy. I, I, I love just if you just fill the room with thanksgiving start thanking him for oxygen and for water thank him for the good times thank him for the bad times thank him that you have you have feet thank him that you have hands thank him that you have kids thank him that you have a husband a, for a, a wife that you have a car that you have a job that you live in one of the most one of the most amazing nations on the planet earth many people who tried to get to church today they didn't make it because they were persecuted for their faith. And I'm not saying that so we feel, oh, I feel bad for them, I'll do better. No, it's just saying, God, thank you for your favor upon my life. Lord, thank you for your goodness to me. You've been so good to, good to me. Thank you that I, you think, I'm having trouble in this area, I'm having trouble in that area, I'm having trouble in my job. Thank you that you have a job. I'm not having a problem with kids. Thank you I have kids. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. I'm just struggling with my health. Well, you're here. You have enough health to be studying today. That's pretty awesome. Amen. So there's something happens when we praise and worship. Let's shake the foundations of, of prisons today. Not only for our sake, but for other people's sake. See, if we get it, we can give it away. If we can break our own doors free, then we can give it away. Amen. So if you want prayer, please come forward and I'll turn it over to Jeremy and, and he can administrate the prayer team. What we do. But let's just, let's really thank him. Amen. Let's fill this room with thanks and praise and let some doors fly open this morning. Amen.